Today, I'm delighted to be in conversation with Marissa Guthrie. Marissa Guthrie is a business coach and mentor. Welcome, Marissa. Marissa, you were just talking about your love of Iceland and how much you'd love to go and live in Iceland. What drew you to Iceland in the first place? Well, I've always had a fascination with very cold places. So that was part of the allure, but also the fact that they've got an incredible society there. So there's only 350,000 people in the whole country. And I feel that it's a place where people are very rooted to their landscape and they seem to know who they are. So it's an incredibly beautiful place. But for a place where nearly everybody is Icelandic, they're incredibly welcoming to visitors so there's that aspect um, and just wanting to be in a, in a very sort of snowy, beautiful, very wild landscape that's largely untouched. So that's one aspect. But the other thing is that, as you know, Annie, I'm very interested in working with horses and Iceland has the most incredible horses. I think there's more horses than people. And they are all of one type and one breed. And it's the only place in the world where they, you're not allowed to take horses there. So they, they've got this kind of very um, wild um, kind of horse that they breed there. And it's utterly mesmerising. So there's lots of things that are very appealing. I had no idea that there were these horses on Iceland that were the only kind of horses that were there. Mm nor had I any idea that you loved the cold so much. And I'm really curious, Marissa, about knowing that you come from Italy and yet you love Iceland. And I'm imagining Italy is much, much hotter than Iceland. So what is it about the cold? I think I have a thing about wildness and about humankind being in a very particular environment and what that means for people and how it shapes the people that do live there. Particular um, sort of cultural norms that go across the Arctic in terms of the stories that they tell. And as you know, storytelling is something that really fascinates me. But yeah, it's such a harsh environment. Mm. So what I'm really fascinated with is the fact that you've got this harsh environment, but yet these incredibly warm, loving, open people. And the wildness of the place is sort of encapsulated in those horses as well, which I think is really, you know, such a unique thing that you just don't get anywhere else. But yes, for someone that feels the cold quite a lot, it is... I love the way we're all so complicated and that I am someone that feels the cold a lot, but yet I'm absolutely drawn to very cold places. Marissa, you mentioned your love of storytelling and I would love to hear about your story and where, where you began. Mm. Well, it depends how far back you want to go, but I grew up in London to an English mother and Italian father in a very strongly sort of a a real cultural melting pot, if I even think about the street I grew up on. There were so many different nationalities and cultures and, you know, that was a wonderful thing, I think. So how I found my way to being a business coach and mentor for independent businesses was a somewhat circuitous route, I would say. 
And what sort of really underpinned my journey and my story is this desire for social justice. You know, I was acutely aware when I was growing up there were people that had and there were people that didn't have. And that always felt incredibly unfair to me. And I think really that's underpinned everything that I've done since. And it wasn't until I sort of looked back in my family, because I felt that I was the first sort of entrepreneur in my family. And when I look back, especially in the line of women that I've come from, I realised there was much more entrepreneurism. It feels like I sort of come full circle in a way. So... I sort of took a bit of a corporate route, cut my teeth in the corporate world in terms of senior management, and then I realised it wasn't really completely suiting me. So I was recruited by a charity to set up a social enterprise, and really that was a defining moment for me when I realised that profit and making money was much more about uh, social justice and actually doing something for society. And really that's, you know, been my focus for 10 years more now. That's really lovely, Marissa, because there's a thread that I'm hearing from your, your beginnings to working with entrepreneurs for social justice and profit being for people, for making their lives better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think of the organisations and enterprises that I work with now, the thing that unites all of them is their desire to do good. So I work with sole traders who run really small, you know, micro enterprises. I don't work with some of the sort of larger corporate bodies, but certainly I work with bigger organisations. But at their heart, all of them are doing something to benefit a community of people or society at large, or indeed, especially what I'm seeing at the moment, is lots of businesses starting as a response to mitigating the effects of climate change. And that's really where a lot of my work has been focused recently. So it's the thing that really inspires me and motivates me and I'm absolutely passionate about. What is a constant source of inspiration for me right now is particularly the millennials that I work with. So I'm working with and mentoring several young women, which is also something I feel very passionate about, seeing more young women taking up the mantle of being business owners and entrepreneurs. And what's interesting to me is very much for me, I feel that we're in the end game of the current capitalist system it hasn't delivered on the things that we felt that it should be delivering on and we've seen massive inequality and and yet when I work with these millennials what I see is that their their values are much more clear-cut than people from my generation they're very much have that at the forefront of their mind that if they're not doing something that's part of the solution then they are part of the problem so they are all my clients are a constant source of inspiration mm. to me in the things that they've overcome to run their businesses and enterprises that they do. But particularly at the moment, I'm working with more millennials now. And I think that's going to be something that 
we're only going to see more of as more young people endeavour to start their enterprises. And that's where I really want to support. That's the work I really want to do in supporting them. But they are an absolute source of inspiration for me. And I'm just so honoured to be working with them. Sounds like they're not only an inspiration, but also a joy to you, Marissa, as well. Earlier in our conversation, you spoke about discovering that there had been more women entrepreneurs in your family than perhaps you had realised. And I'd like to go back to that bit of your story and what you discovered about your family and particularly about the lineage of the women in your family. As I'm reaching a certain age, it feels natural to me to look back. I mean, I've always been someone that's tried to figure out what my story is and where I've come from. And of course, the narrative around that changes as we grow and develop but I was interested in this notion of where is my sort of entrepreneurial spirit come from and I couldn't think of anything in particular on my mother's side but when I looked at my father's side which is the Italian side of my family I realised that both my aunties had been entrepreneurs pretty much from the word go so my father was born during the war in Italy Um, there were literally Nazis at the door when he was a, a, a young child and when the war was over, there was a you know terrible economic decline in Italy. And so people left in their droves. And my dad was one of those people that sort of drifted around Europe and eventually came to England. And that was very much his route. And while my aunties had done the same, they then returned. My family's from near Milan and they went to Milan and started their own businesses and went on to be very successful businesswomen. So it was more of a response to social changes, I guess, rather than anything else. It was just a, a totally pragmatic step to take. But I was really fascinated and continue to be fascinated by their stories. This notion that a lot of businesses are born out of difficult circumstances and trauma a lot of the time and what they had you know it was a trauma that they had experienced I talk to business owners a lot about what their stories are and so I'm fascinated in what their stories are about how they came to be starting their businesses and often it's a response to something difficult that happened to them in the recent past or, or indeed the distant past. Marissa you've just said that many entrepreneurs start their business as a result of having experienced some kind of trauma and they're born out of adversity. I wonder how you came to start your own business and what trauma there was that led you to start up as an entrepreneur yourself. Yes, I'm absolutely no exception. So I had been the chief executive of a small charity, and when the financial crash came in um, the 2000s, I, I was made redundant from that post. And even though I knew it was coming, it was very, I wouldn't say it was traumatising, but it was extremely difficult. I put a lot of my self-worth into that role and what that meant for me and my identity. So it was very hard to go through that experience. So I guess being the problem solver and pragmatist that I am... I thought, well, what's the most immediate thing I can do? And I started getting some consultancy work. And so one thing sort of led to another, as it were. But that experience has never left me. 
And why I'm grateful for it now is the fact that so many of my clients have had similar experiences. For a lot of my clients, they've already had careers before they start their own businesses and have had similar experiences to me. So it feels like that's a good way for me to work with them and share what may have come up for them as a result. I imagine, Marissa, that it took a lot of courage to begin again after you'd been made redundant, even though you saw it coming. And although you draw on it in your work now and it helps you to understand some of the crises that your clients are experiencing, I imagine that it also took a lot of courage. Yes, it it really did because it rocked my confidence so much. Even though, as you say, I, I saw it coming, I wasn't prepared for the sort of aftermath of that. But I do believe in accessing our courage as much as possible because that's what makes us grow. So I will often talk about comfort zones and I know we talk about getting out of our comfort zones and so on. So it's important to me that I keep experiencing that. I think you've often heard me talk about leadership being getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and I'm wondering Marissa when have you required courage to deal with the uncomfortable? The piece of work I'm involved with and have been for the last few years which is an extension of my coaching work is um, starting to work with horses in what's called um, equine facilitated learning which is really about horses and humans working together and I don't come from a horse background again the work with horses has been born out of a trauma in my family and has been something for me that's absolutely struck a chord with something it's sort of a thread that started a long time ago I feel but it's only in the last few years that I've really started properly exploring that work so Every time I'm with a horse or with a a herd of horses, it requires from me huge amounts of courage just to turn up and be in the presence of these incredibly beautiful, insightful animals that at the same time are, you know, and have the capacity to be very dangerous. You know, when you're in an arena with a horse at liberty, which was without any ropes or anything... The only thing between you and that horse is relationship and trust. And if you don't have that, then there isn't much else because you need that horse to connect with you. So, you know, so the question is, what's it going to take? So the thing about horses is they um, people often describe them as permanently traumatized. They're naturally flight animals and so there's lots of research that's been done into how they are so fantastic at working with people that have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder. So they're very giving but they absolutely require you to tell the truth to yourself. There is no way that you can hide from a horse what you're feeling, whether it be anger, fear, anxiety or indifference. You know, they will really pick up on that. So turning up on a weekly basis to do my horse work and to spend time with horses is something that really gets me out of my comfort zone and requires huge amounts of courage. Marissa, you said that your work with horses was, for yourself, born out of a trauma in the family. What was that? Yes, my daughter, who is now 10, had a very difficult start in life and she was in intensive care for the first week of her life. 
and obviously that was something that was difficult for all of us but it's left this print of anxiety on her so when she got to be about six somewhere in my psyche because I'd explored the notion of horses are really good for working with people with trauma and anxiety we started to explore her working with horses which started off as riding but has now sort of developed into something else so it's an incre- it's been an incredible journey for her and for myself and it's something that I feel is part of me now and is in me and is definitely going to shape a lot of my work in the future. Thank you for sharing that Marissa. When you first said that the work with horses had been born out of a family trauma I wondered whether there had been an accident uh, with a horse in your family and is that also the case? Not for me but for my mum that was true. My mother was uh, very into horses as a child but she uh, had a bad accident and as a result has never ridden again. So it feels like there's this lovely opportunity to access this kind of circular healing which involves my mother, myself and my daughter as well and I think for me that's the kind of gift that horses can give us and what I find fascinating about that as well is that it's all non-verbal for me there's an irony in the fact that all I do all day is talk to people Mm -hmm. which is incredible but for me there's some things and especially when we're talking about trauma that really transcend language because the the trauma resides in our in our bodies and that's the same for horses as well You know, a lot of the horses I've worked with, they've been abused or neglected in some way or just not treated in a way that suits their nature. And so for me, something about that non-verbal communication is incredibly powerful. And, you know, it's why I feel I'm, I'm very drawn to this work. I'm never going to stop being a business coach and doing what I do. But I can see how the work with horses is really going to enhance that particularly with young people, especially who may be non-verbal. So it feels like an incredible journey, and I'm very grateful. It sounds like a really wonderful journey, Marissa, one that found you and that you have found and that you're giving to other people as part of making people's lives better and making the planet better. What's very interesting since I've been starting the work and what I'm drawn to is, you know, I very much feel, as I think we all do, that humanity is really at a point of crisis now. And we've always had horses in our lives. We would not have been able to do, and it very much comes back to business, actually. The whole of the Industrial Revolution was made possible by horsepower. And so all our notions of travel and movement and trade, they've all come on the backs of horses. And so we reached a point with the mechanisation, you know, cars and things and trains that we didn't need horses so much. They took on a different role in our lives, but I feel that they're back now and they've got something to teach us and something to say in just their quiet, incredible presence. So it really feels like the right time to be doing this sort of work. You spoke of horsepower and earlier you spoke in our conversation about the importance of trust and relationship with horses and I absolutely agree with you that more now than ever we need to learn to trust and be in relationship with each other and it sounds like horses can help us to do that. 
Absolutely. I mean, as I said, they, they enable us to tell our truths. When you are confronted with something that's so big and powerful and yet is so happy to be in relationship with you. You know, the particular philosophy of horsemanship that I work with is called natural horsemanship, which takes the horse's natural environment and what the horse needs predominantly as the starting point for the work, because we impose a lot of our will onto horses. And I see so many crossovers with people. And if only we could take what what it is that people need in order to thrive as the starting point for our relationship. People need safety. They need validation. They need trust and they need connection. I think that's what horses can really teach us. So there's something about their innate nature that can help us develop our sensitivity to what we need from each other, and especially in these really sort of challenging times. The other thing that I was thinking about that you also mentioned loving about the horses in Iceland is their wildness, and yet they're in a safe environment. They are protected by way of only that kind of horses in Iceland, which I didn't know, and no other horses can come in. So there's a protection, a safety net around them, and yet they themselves are wild. And again, earlier you were speaking about the contrast between loving the cold and yet not liking being cold, about enjoying heat. And I know you spent quite a lot of time in Italy, and it would be lovely to hear about what you get up to in Italy. Well, as you will know of me, Annie, because we've done walk and talks together, I get a lot out of being in nature and in the natural environment. So when we're in Italy, a lot of the time we are just out in nature. We harvest olives there, which is an incredibly special thing. And, it, you know, for me, it makes me think of all the aspects of another sort of business, if you like and how we tread lightly on the earth and we are so guided by the seasons and so when we're doing that work it very much feels like we're rooted in those seasonal changes we see what's the harvest going to be like this year because we see the flowers on the trees and then as it goes through the summer you know seeing how are the olives going to be any good this year and then by the time it gets to the autumn when we harvest there's such a feeling of gratitude and that everybody around there is doing that same thing as well. So that's a really important part of who I am and my identity. But but what I feel now is being in nature has become more of a bittersweet experience for me and I'm sure for a lot of people that are very aware of the effects of climate change because having spent so much time in Italy my whole life, I'm now seeing the effects of climate change on that environment and, you know, indeed in my rural home in Sussex as well. And so it very much feels like a poignant time for me to be able to enjoy that, but really appreciate and understand how much that is changing and that we are the guardians of this planet. And so for me, that it absolutely fits with this notion of business and what is going on in our society. You know, business is so interwoven in the fabric of society. And what excites me about business is that we've got this amazing capacity to address climate change. And I think business is going to be absolutely at the forefront of that discussion and those actions as we go forward.
Marissa recently rebranded from Business Coaching Sussex to Marissa Guthrie Coaching. What prompted the rebranding? Well, for the listeners, I would just like to say that I have been working with Annie as my mentor for the best part of 15 years, which has been an incredible experience all the way from senior management through my journey as a chief executive through to my own coaching business. And one of the things you've always said to me, Annie, is to, I don't know if you've put it this way, but it's about courage and stepping into who you are and not being afraid to be who you are. And so what's interesting to me is when I look back on my journey as in my previous incarnation as business coaching Sussex, that very much felt like possibly something I was slightly tentatively hiding behind and I think there's something very empowering about using your own name and I feel that 10 years in now I've stepped into that place of I'm inextricably linked with my business we reflect each other and it feels like just a genuine authentic place for me to be and it feels very liberating actually so thank you to you and the work that we've done together. Earlier, Marissa, you mentioned that you were a woman of a certain age. What does that mean for you? I feel we're reaching a point in society where for the first time, women previously over the age of 40 would have been perceived as not really having that much to contribute or not much to say, that we're in a very different place now. And there are lots of women that I work with who are starting enterprises and have started enterprises in their late 40s, early 50s and beyond. And that feels like that's a trend that's only going to continue. So I feel it's a good time to be a woman in this age. But I also feel now more connected to the younger generation of women as well. And so very much my work is about supporting that generation. I describe them as the millennials, so late 20s, now getting into their early 30s. Because for me, one of the challenges is this ongoing notion that you can't be it until you see it. And for a lot of women, they've never had any women entrepreneurs in their lives or women that have started enterprises. And so it's very hard then to conceive of yourself as being that sort of person when actually anybody can start a business. So I really feel that a lot of my work is underpinned by wanting to support these young women in particular. Marissa, it sounds like there might be more work for you to do by way of mentoring and coaching women of a certain age who are in their late 40s, early 50s, who actually, having come through or been going through that experience, find a a confidence and a wisdom that you can help them support, grow and make the world a better place. I'm wondering, as we come to the close of our conversation, what does the future for you? Well, Annie, now you've said that, clearly that's going to be another string for me to (laughs) add to my bow. You know, it forms so much of the work I do, but I do think it's really important. And obviously, I've talked a lot about my work with horses, and so that's going to feature quite largely. But I really feel that what's going to inform my work as I go forward is whatever challenges are going on with society is going to be reflected in the businesses and enterprises that are starting up and developing. And so 
again, what's important to me is being able to support anyone at any stage of any of those enterprises, but particularly young women. Marissa, is there anything really important to you that we haven't spoken about in our conversation today that you would like to end on? Well, I think it would be churlish not to mention Woody the dog, who is our incredible new arrival. He was a rescue and all of the craziness that comes with that. But really the thing that inspires me about having a dog and being around animals and children for that matter is it absolutely forces us to be in the moment. And let's face it, we probably don't do enough of that in our lives. So that's something for me that's that's really important and just kind of keeps me going. Thank you, Marissa, for being in conversation with me. If you would like to learn more about Marissa and the work that she does, do go to her website, marissaguthriecoaching.co.uk. If you would like to take part in Leaders in Conversation, please do contact me, Annie Townend, at annietownend.com.